Well, I'm delighted to have another Lonergan on our show this morning. Inspector uh, Aidan Lonergan, you're very welcome to Scarif Bay Community Radio. Good morning, Geraldine, and to your listeners. Very happy to be here with you on uh, your uh, radio programme this morning. You're very kind to give up your time. Um, Aidan, uh, I presume that you know uh, where John Lonergan is coming from, a very humane man. So we might talk a little bit about that in a minute. But just to... I mean, everybody thinks they know exactly what other, other people's jobs entail. But just for the community out there, guards detect us, all of the Irish people, by detecting crime and preventing crime, drug enforcement, accident investigation, uh, diplomatic um, protection and witness protection and community policing. That's kind of the overall blurb that I read. So that's that covers a huge area. I'm just thinking to myself, Aidan, that growing up with the community guard, who really was our friend, we didn't think too much of dangerous scenarios. But I suppose increasingly so, the job has got a little bit more dangerous for the force. Would I be right? Uh, Thanks for that introduction, Geraldine. I I think as any um, society and as we move on and technology moves along and trends change, then the parameters in which we have to work in change accordingly with that and I've no doubt when uh, the generation before us grew up new things came along that were seen as as dangerous and as new and uh, in 2023 on Carlisle Corner we aim to respond to all those threats all those dangerous situations providing a very high service uh, to the people that that, that require it so to say things are more dangerous then I would say that it's probably just where we are in society at the moment in that um, there's probably more proliferation of that in the media with social media people can see things a lot quicker the media is a lot more responsive to getting stories out there so um, I suppose all of those things it's a real big kind of cooking pot of 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 what you said there in in that can give that perception in terms of of it being dangerous or not and obviously our our mission currently within Ungarishikona is keeping people safe members of the public safe or responders safe be it from the fire service the ambulance service members of Ungarishikona and obviously keeping victims safe then as well from from further victimization and further uh, offenses being perpetrated against them so it, it is a very difficult environment to, to be a police officer in and to be investigating crime in but it's one in which our members are well trained and prepared to to uh, respond to. Yeah, and the Irish people do very much appreciate what our guards are doing for us. You are a prosecutor in the criminal court. What does that entail, Aidan? Uh, that's correct, Geraldine. Um I would have spent a lot of my time in, in Ennis Courthouse um, there as the court presenting sergeant. And in Ireland, we have a, a common law system and a, and a lot of the offences require uh, to be dealt with in the district court. Some would describe the district court as the powerhouse in terms of, of the administration of justice uh, in where a lot of minor offences, um, minor in the eyes of the law, that doesn't mean it's going to be minor in the eyes of a victim or a person who has lost some property or has been involved. It's not minor from that perspective. But where a lot of the probably drunken, disorderly type of offences, thefts under a certain value, criminal damages under a certain value, minor assaults, all those kind of high volume offences get prosecuted and dealt with uh, through the, um, the district court. Now, over time, Ongarish uh, Corner have been provided with other ways of avoiding bringing people to court. So for some offences, if, if someone was out on a Saturday night and they were too intoxicated, they might be given a fixed charge penalty notice, which is a ticket. It allows them to pay a fine without having to come to court. 
Um, likewise, there's an adult cautioning scheme. So if if um, a member of the public commits a certain list of offences, then they could be considered for a caution. So that means they may not have been got a caution in the past. They may admit the offence and we may have very strong evidence. Then they wouldn't be eligible for consideration for a caution. And some more recent offences been added to that has been uh, for possession of cannabis, things like minor assaults, small amounts of theft. So I suppose... There's a range of opportunities for people to receive sanction prior to going to court. And then obviously uh, in court, if they are found guilty of one of those types of offences, a judge who has a range of different options to look at uh, in terms of what would be the most appropriate sentence for that for the judge to impose, bearing in mind the unique circumstances of the incident and the unique circumstances of the perpetrator of that offence. And I think what's an emerging trend, uh, if we go back to the... Criminal Justice Victims of Crime Act came in in 2017 and prior to that act really the victim of a crime was someone maybe could be described by some as a silent partner in the in the whole process. They reported the crime to Angarda Siakona and her role was to investigate and in that investigation process the, the injured party or the victim were probably seen more as a, as a witness just that they just had to give their evidence and moved on. Whereas with the passage of legislation like the Victims of Crime Act, there's the Victims Charter, they really are becoming more a part of that process. And I suppose one of the biggest um, changes that the Victims of uh, Crime Act in 27 brought in was this idea of a victim impact statement. Yeah. So if I could ex- explain that a little bit to your listeners, sometimes um, a person is a victim of a crime, and an assault, a theft, something has been damaged by them. And the perpetrator of that offence comes into court and whether they plead guilty or whether they contest the matter, they have found them, they've been found guilty or they've uh, entered a guilty plea. And in coming up with a sentence, the judge would hear from that person's defence solicitor maybe about their unique circumstances, their background, what caused them maybe to commit that criminality, gives them the opportunity to apologise or make some compensationary offers. And prior to 2017, that's kind of where the, 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 the process stopped. The guard gave out the evidence, the facts of the matter, the defence solicitor would put forward the mitigating factors and the judge would pass sentence. And when the Victims of Crime Act came in, it actually allowed that victim of crime to address the court. Now, they could address the court orally about how that crime has affected them, both from a financial perspective, from a psychological perspective, from a, from a, a lived experience perspective, or they could put it in writing and someone like myself or a colleague would read that out to the court. And that really allows the court to kind of get into the mindset of how something being broken or something being damaged or being taken or how an assault can actually have an effect on that individual. And it allows the judge to come to a more balanced and, I suppose, colourful they have a more colourful understanding of how this offence has, has impacts on that individual uh, and their family. And then the judge moves on to make uh, an, a sentence that he or she deems appropriate. And that really helps bring the victim back into the into sort of the the, the final part of, this, of the process when it comes to sentencing. OK, I have two questions. The first one is if they're not brought to court, do those people who have been prosecuted by the guard, do they still have a criminal record? For those people that receive 
cautions or receive fixed charge penalty notices, while they wouldn't be regarded as a conviction the same way as if they've gone to court, they certainly are recorded on the Garda National System, which is known as Pulse. So it's certainly open to other Garda to see that those people have got cautions uh, in the past. And it's also important to say that under the scheme of adult cautioning, you are only entitled to get that caution once, uh, and other than that, you have to revert back to the office of the DPP. So to, to answer that next question, a fine as such like that wouldn't be recorded as a conviction the same way as people might disclose convictions for a Garda vetting, but it is recorded in terms of on the, on the Garda system that a person received a fixed charge penalty notice or indeed that they did receive an adult caution and that would inform members on Garda Shikona who had to make another decision further down the line. So Jordan, when you say not brought to court, then obviously on Garda Shikona have to go out and we have to investigate and that investigation yeah. requires maybe capturing CCTV, getting witness statements, doing various types of tests. And we have to look at that evidence and see is there enough evidence there to bring a person to court or not? Even though maybe the victim or witnesses might have indicated somebody as, as, a, as a suspect, we have to look at it in a very, I suppose, clinical way and see is there enough evidence for it to be brought to court. And sometimes we, we can make that decision, um, certain members of the Irish can make that decision, or sometimes it'll be referred to the office of the DPP. So sometimes okay. we don't. it doesn't always go to court simply because of an evaluation of the evidence yeah. may not be strong enough to, to get us across um, a criminal prosecution. Yeah. And, and we have to be mindful that there's various safeguards built into our criminal justice system about, you know, it's beyond all, re it's beyond reasonable doubt that a person has to be found uh, guilty. So the evidence has to be, you know, substantial, it has to be accurate uh, for us to be able to bring that to court. Yeah. So we have that scenario where sometimes people may have identified a suspect, but when all the evidence is looked at, it doesn't meet meet the threshold of which it can be brought to court for. And in that regard, then there isn't uh, a criminal recourse for the victim there because okay. the evidence, in, in, in our view, hasn't been hasn't been reached to bring him to trial. OK. And do serious crimes go through the district court? So uh, potentially serious crimes, serious crimes then, yeah. Um, if you look at things like maybe more serious assaults, offences of a sexual nature, crimes that were thefts have been very high, drug offences which involve a large amount of drugs, they normally get dealt with in the circuit court, which is the next level up. Now, on a very practical level, they all have to start in the district court. They all come into the district court on a procedural level, and then they're elevated up. They can be elevated up because the Office of the Director of Public Prosecution deems it to be serious enough to be dealt with by a judge and jury, or sometimes the district court judge we may say, as in I say we, the state, the DPP may say to, this, to the judge, we think that this is suitable for the lower court. But when the judge hears an outline of the facts, they may, say, they may do something what's called refuse jurisdiction. They may say, no, actually, in my view, I'm the judge of this locality. I don't think this can be merited with a 12-month prison sentence or a fine, which is the maximum they can give in any one offence, okay. the maximum of 24 months. And that judge themselves may say, actually, no, I want this to be elevated up uh, to the circuit court. And on, a, on another set of offences, Geraldine, and not to try and confuse your listeners on a Saturday morning, sometimes the person who's charged with the offence may actually want their trial. So if I've been charged with theft, I have the opportunity to tell the judge I actually would like to be tried in front of a judge and jury as opposed to just a singular judge. And obviously the penalties could increase when they opt for that. Okay. So it, 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 there, there is some processing steps there to be, to be looked at. Okay. So in actual fact, a prosecutor in the criminal court has quite a lot of say in what happens to the people that come before the judge. Well, 
certainly there's an onus on the presenter to present the facts fairly and accurately. So in terms of them having a lot to say, I would say the ultimate decision relies with the judge. That's their function uh, under statute. The role of the presenter uh, and on is to present the facts as they find them for the judge then to interpret into whether they're serious or whether they're not. So um, I wouldn't like your listeners to think that members of Angarishikana can can decide what would happen, but it certainly is our role to inform the court of the facts and of the evidence that we've gathered and present that in a very fair way. Yeah. And when, when things get into a trial, if, if Geraldine was accused of something and felt it was wrongly so, then there's an onus on the state, there's an onus on Garshikana to, to, to deliver to you and to your legal team or your solicitor the evidence that we have and that we will present that at trial. So you get to see the statements and you get to see the CCTV footage or medical reports, whatever it might be, and then you get to um, assess what you've received as term, in terms of the evidence that we would have and that you can test that then uh, in, in a trial setting, in a courtroom setting to say, well, actually, I don't believe that or that test was done wrong and your, your, your legal team can put that point forward then. OK, uh, just a slightly different tack now. Um, John Larnigan made the point that um, very often uh, uh, damage to property gets a, a higher um, sentence, maybe, than a damage to the indiv- to the person. Uh, is that your experience? Um, I wouldn't have a, a personal experience in relation to that. I think, um, obviously, retired Governor Lonergan has a vast knowledge of, of the many people that he to deal with uh, that were incarcerated in, in the facility in Dublin. Um, I would say that going through the criminal courts uh, in, in Ennis and the locality, um, I, I wouldn't have a firm view on whether that is is true or not, uh, Geraldine. I might, I might come back to you in another morning on that, but just off the top of my head, I wouldn't fully agree with, with the governor on that point. Um, it is of, it's sometimes the case that it can be an easier case to prove damage to property than it might be getting witnesses into court to prove an assault because some people can feel very anxious and nervous about coming to court and there's a slight set um, there's different proofs required for, for the different offences so some offences might seem to be easier to get across but some of them will require people to come to court and give evidence of what they see and what they heard. I know. So for that reason, some people are reluctant to come to court or some people might be reluctant to give us a statement on something that they saw on a Saturday night or on a, on a, on a Friday morning. So there might be differences in that regard in terms of, of what gets across the, the line in terms of conviction or not. OK. Just one other question, uh, Aidan, if I may, please. Um, I sometimes think it must be very frustration for, frustrating for members of the Guard, the Shikana, who bring people to court. They have, they have investigated the crime. They have the criminal, in their opinion, and they bring the criminal to court. And very often... Um, they go, they get very light sentences. Maybe they don't spend all that long in prison and very soon they're out again and in the guard's opinion, perhaps reoffending. Would that be well, inaccurate? Yeah. Uh, well, well, just, just to, to maybe look at that, I suppose, first of all, it's important for maybe your listeners and, and to have a shared understanding of, of the role of Angarda Shiakona. So I suppose our role is to gather the evidence and present that evidence before a court the sentencing piece and the processing piece uh, of how we get to conviction are, are actually probably the sole responsibility of others. Um, 
so our role in terms would be to make sure that we get and gather enough evidence to get a, a case to court uh, to, to prove or otherwise a person's guilt or innocence. The sentencing part really becomes a, a matter uh, solely at the discretion of the presiding judge. Yeah. And there's lots of factors because I suppose we are living in a, a very dispersed and diverse society and maybe some people need additional supports and diversion to, to keep them away from crime. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure retired Governor Lonergan would have very strong views around the, the benefit of incarceration and the rehabilitation yeah. piece. And, uh, you know, the court's, the court's role or the judge's role in sentencing is to make sure it's proportionate to that individual perpetrator. And sometimes there is benefit in terms of probation services, supervision where they can undergo training. Sometimes it is incarceration and, and training and sometimes yeah. it is supervision once they come out. There has been an increased use in what's known as suspended sentences, where a court would impose a sentence of imprisonment, but would would suspend it, would would leave it hanging there for a certain period of time, so that that person would have sort of the motivation maybe not to get in trouble again. And if they were to get in trouble again, then this sentence would be considered for for activation. So there is a range of sentencing. Um, I wouldn't say that members of Angarsh should kind of get anybody frustrated or, or annoyed or any of those. Uh, kind of descriptions really in our role members of Angarshikon are very focused on their role which is the prevention and detection of crime and their role is to go out there and try and gather as much evidence as they can to prove or disprove a person's guilt or innocence and have that presented fairly in a court and then allow the other parties to do their job to the best of their ability in terms of sentencing as well. I and know, I do. it be that a person comes out and commits re- and you know reoffends or commits further offences then we are as committed as ever to, to investigate those as well and bring them back before the court as well. And where we can, we will use bail and we'll use bail terms and bail conditions to try and monitor people um, pending their conviction and pending their their outcome in court. I understand all of that, Aid, and what you say makes absolute sense. I was just thinking that from a human point of view, it must be frustrating, but... I I take what you say and that the guards are very professional and they do everything by the book and uh, I know that. Um, I just, it's it's just a minefield of of, uh, information really, isn't it? I mean, somebody like me would never find their way around all that judicial system. Um, I know you run, you contribute to courses in in UL for um, other would-be prosecutors, is that right? Uh, that's correct, um, Geraldine. We're just entering into our second um, year of a professional diploma for members of Magrath Shikon in the whole area of court presenting and court prosecuting. Um, it's a joint initi- initiative between the Magrath uh, Shikonas College in Templemore and the University of Limerick. It's a level nine accredited course where we bring the academic um powerhouse that is the University of Limerick and the practical work that we can join together. It's very much a blended course, uh, runs over one year. The participants come out with a level nine certification and the finishing point of it all revolves around the members participating in a mute or a mock courtroom scenario um, in terms of presenting their skills, making sure that everyone's rights are balanced, that they present it in a fair and uh, just manner. And one of the modules that we, we, we spend time talking about is in terms of, of victims' rights. And you, you probably mentioned something there, Geraldine, that I, I'll come back to in terms of if people need to find additional information. There is the Victims' Rights Charter and they have some very good leaflets and brochures there that are in very much plain English. And the GARDA website, www.garda.ie, also has a section in relation for victims. 
and also for those that are listening in who may have you know who are a victim of crime or know someone who's a victim of crime in each of our in each of our divisions we've dedicated uh, victim support offices with staff that are are dedicated to deal with victims of crime and assist them in the process as well so if if others like you Geraldine feel a bit overwhelmed about the processes and they become a victim of crime there is information out there and I really just encourage them to take that first step in contacting us be it the the original member that they had dealings with or just to to go on to online and you know, a quick Google search will get them their local victims office and also access to the victims charter and we certainly want to make sure that they're informed about the process and they understand the steps that are involved. Oh Aidan you're a mine of information I, I have <laughs> I'd love to, to take it all on board um, I, I'm very grateful for you your presence here with us this morning and um I must listen back to it because I have taken just about half of what you said on board. Um, we have a great relationship with the, uh, the Garda Shikana here in Scarif Bay Community Radio. We have one of your members on every Saturday morning giving us an update on things that are happening in the area. So we have a lovely uh, relationship with uh, on Garda Shikana here. Thank you so much, Aidan. I'm hoping that maybe no, some other time we'll have no you problem. on again. <laughs> No problem, Geraldine. Just say thanks very much. And I will say just on a note of nostalgia, on my promotion to sergeant, I was stationed in Killaloo and I had a very fantastic morning, one Saturday morning out with yourself and your colleagues presenting the, the Garda slot on the radio. So congratulations ah. to, to, you, to you all. Local radio is very important and uh, I wish you all and all your team very best luck with Scarf Bay Community Radio. And to you too, Aidan. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Thanks, Geraldine.